The morning after we caught the consultant embezzling money, I went through the side door of the furniture store and got to work opening the lights on every floor. Due to a flood that we had to deal with from a burst fireline pipe, the wood in front of the front doors had warped from the water so severely it wedged them shut. When it came back to the front desk, my boss sat there waiting for me with a smile that relayed the message of, I should have seen this coming. Come here, is all she said, and she turned the computer monitor to me so I could get a better view. She googled the name of the consultant, and the first thing that popped up was a mugshot. When she clicked on the mugshot, it took us directly to his profile in the domestic violence registry where he was charged in 2016 for assault and two charges of DV in the presence of a minor. I should have done this before I hired him, is all she said. And then she went to work drying out the basement from all the flooding and secondary water that was turning the upholstery and the leather into a nasty mold. Over the next few days, I learned that the boss and the consultant had discussed the position for over a week, where he would come in for a few hours, position himself as an expert, knowing him smooth-talking with a pinch of intimidation, and convincing her, like everyone else, that he was legit. What was surprising to me was this was not uncommon for the boss to do. When I left the store, I had realized that I was the only person who worked there that had two things, a college degree and no criminal background. Usually, most of the people there had one or the other, but not both. Her argument was she wanted to give people who were down on their luck a chance. And a lot of times, that involved hiring criminals, even active criminals and felons. When the delivery team and I were placing the outdoor furniture in front of the store, as was our morning routine, she came back outside to ask for help from the head of the team. Can you come down here and help me? She explained. It seems like every time I trust somebody, I get screwed over. No, I thought to myself. Every time you trust someone blindly, you get screwed over. But I didn't bother telling that to her. I had T-minus one week left at the store, and she was never the person who would listen. So, why waste my breath? Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home A podcast and a memoir by M.K. Lott In philosophy, I was taught something known as conditional truth statements. These are, as the name might imply, claims that the truth of something is determined by a condition. One of my favorite examples of this is something my grandfather used to say if he felt like there was something about to happen. If it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. To put it in another way, something is a duck under the condition that it quacks. I bring this up because this is the soul thinking around a little thing called nice guy syndrome. I was nice to you, therefore you owe me. They recognize kindness as transactional, not unconditional. And I think this popped up on my radar simply because I think you see a lot of this in younger guys 
and for me, it was definitely an occurrence in high school. Not to the point where I was being sketchy or creepy or mean for that matter, but there was this frustration of, I don't understand why this isn't working. I was always told to be nice and kind and genuine, and I feel like I've gotten pretty good at that, but I'm not getting anywhere. And even though that is the popular textbook example, especially in a dating setting, the older I get, the more I realize that there is no age limit or required setting to this either. Just because you're nice and you hire someone, as we saw in the previous example, doesn't mean you'll always have the transaction in the form of loyalty and squeaky clean actions. Not everyone sees that in the sense of, I gave you a chance, therefore I expect loyalty. And while I don't advocate the idea of nice guys finish last, because I think there are just too many exceptions for that to be true, it's hard to make an argument against it because of how common it is. Over and over, there's this problem of people being nice and getting taken advantage of or not having the courage to speak up, which I'm very guilty of, especially in that prologue example, because it just wasn't the nice thing to do. And I justify it by saying, she never listens, it's completely uncalled for, and even though I've got a week left, I don't want to get fired. However, I want to explain how nice guy syndrome isn't an inevitable curse, but rather the right practice with the wrong intentions. And with the help of various exercises, in this case in the form of hypnotherapy practices, I want to show how changing the perspective of being a nice guy is both beneficial and separate from ideology to action. And the first major thing that fixing nice guy syndrome can actually help with is it can unlock something new about yourself. It's not exactly a level up or a superhero transformation, although it may feel like that sometimes, and that's not a bad thing. But it's an unlocking in the sense that it helps you discover something about yourself that you may not realize is there. In the case of nice guy syndrome, it helps to understand that everything you do is motivated by something. Instead of recognizing it as, this is something that is undeniably who I am, or these things happened to me in the past, therefore it only makes sense that they will happen again in the future, and it's inevitable, hypnosis can help look under the hood and recognize that it's motivated by something. When you recognize that something, now you've illuminated a crossroads. Where normally you take this road that makes you have that conditional thinking of if X then Y. Now you could try exploring a different situation of if X then maybe Z or W or any other letter in the alphabet. And even if you do choose to make a certain choice, when I mean looking at options, I also mean not having tunnel vision. I think what happened in the case of my former boss hiring the consultant is I did think in some ways she wanted to give people a chance. 
I think somewhere that that's true. But she developed tunnel vision out of desperation because her furniture store was not doing well. So then she developed the idea of, I need help no matter what that looks like. And then by hiring the consultant, she developed the tunnel vision idea of, I hired you, therefore I expect you to grow my business. Instead of not looking at other options of, okay, now that we're at this phase, let's check all these boxes off to make sure that it's still a good fit. And again, this can help you explore situations that you may never have considered because you were fixed and hell-bent on a specific outcome. Exploring situations not only helps you get mental options, but it also helps you play out the worst-case scenario to realize it's not as bad as you may have thought, or now that you're made aware of it, you know how to prepare for it. So the next time, as another example, a nice guy tries to be nice to a girl, although it could be any gender, of course. It's just the idea of kindness is transactional. That conditional thinking is less likely to develop. And now he'll do an act of kindness because he wants to do an act of kindness, not get married tomorrow. Building off of that, these kinds of exercises can help you build independence. A lot of times, I think nice guy syndrome can come about from a sense of codependency. Let's say, in this case, the nice guy is being negatively or detrimentally nice because he feels like he needs to be with someone in order for his life to work out. This is just conditional thinking in a new light of, if I'm with someone, then I'm complete. Or to put it another way, I'm only complete if and only if I have someone in my life. And maybe that's another example of feeling like people are owed something, or God forbid, someone, if they're kind. They need something else that's external to fill a void or fix a problem that is internal. So, with hypnotherapy, that person could discover that the ability to fill an internal void can be found internally as well. Whether that's developing self-love, or again, independence, or another source of contentment, maybe assertiveness or increasing self-esteem, that can make the person realize that he has more power over his own life than he realizes. That would probably be done through what's called parts therapy. Parts therapy is the process of working on your subconscious by interacting with it in parts and reconciling an issue based on what the part tells you. It may sound a little silly or a little weird to think about, but it's usually easier to do this for people because it makes more sense to talk to someone about a problem, right, than it does trying to force an abstract idea in your mind to cooperate with you and change its ways. Like, how the hell do you even do that? <laughs> you kind of don't. But it's like showing the monster under the bed. If you can give it a face or a name or an idea or even just a shape, that will give you an opportunity to work with something 
Then, from there, you work on a solution together with that part by going under a hypnotic trance and finding an agreement where now consciously you can go through life knowing that that part of you is being worked on and is in a healthy place. In the case of the nice guy, maybe he discovered through a hypnotherapy session that he had a part of him that felt like he had to be nice as a kid in order to get his parents' love and affection, right? We may joke about it, we may hear it as stereotypical, but it does happen. And if he doesn't, he was going to be punished and he would feel hurt or unsafe. Through hypnosis, he would be able to talk and comfort this part of him. So now when he interacts with a girl he's trying to be nice with, he understands that he's being nice because he wants to be nice, not because he's trying to avoid pain or trying to be safe. And all that comes about because it's motivated by something healthier. And finally, I think this has been said in different forms or has been kind of referenced throughout different aspects of this episode. But combining these exercises along with others helps you make your expectations more realistic. A lot of what Nice Guy Syndrome is, is an expectation of something to happen that's just not guaranteed. Because it's skewed by your own perspectives and biases. Plus, it's a way of removing agency from that person when that's not your job to do so. Because that's a kind of manipulation. If we've talked about anything today, it's that nice guy syndrome comes from inner insecurities that the person may not consciously realize are behind the steering wheel. So bringing to light all the situations that may come about, suddenly being nice is not reliant on something happening, and it doesn't feel like an all-or-nothing gamble. Now, it just feels like an action independent of what happens. Now, after hypnotherapy, that person would be nice for the sake of being nice, not because hellfire will rain down or he's screwed if he doesn't. So going back to the example, let's say the guy's about to hold the door for a beautiful girl who sees him like a brother, right? That's every guy's favorite line. If he's done the work to handle his nice guy syndrome and he opens the door, he'll do it not because he expects a kiss or a date or yes to a proposal in return, but because he chooses to be nice and he wants to be helpful. Maybe she's got her hands full, right? Opening the door is helpful. It's not expectant to be bright material, but it's helpful. Because everything else under the hood has been taken care of and is being taken care of. And he recognizes that it's not connected to a good time or a good life as rigidly as he originally expected all because of his change in perspective. And in the case of if you ever develop a business that's struggling, hiring somebody now becomes more of a matter of, let's see if this is the right fit for the work culture and the right fit for the business. And instead of turning it into, I need you because it's failing, so I expect you, to act this way. 
See the difference? Now, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with me to kind of see what else we can work with, feel free to reach out on the link in the show notes below to access my calendar, and I would love to help in any way I can. Thank you as always, and until next time, here's to finding your way.